Hello, everyone. This is Rosemary Coates in Silicon Valley. I'm your host for this edition of the Frictionless Supply Chain Podcast. I'm the executive director of the Reshoring Institute, where we help companies bring back or expand their manufacturing in the U.S. And I'm a contributing writer to Supply Chain Management Review. Today, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Cindy Andela of Andela Glass and Ruby Glass, Ruby Lake Glass in New York. So sitting here in California today, I'm very concerned about the wildfires raging all around us, and especially in our redwood forests, the floods in Kentucky and all across the Midwest, and the heat waves scorching the East Coast. These things are evidence of global warming and a reminder that sustainability of our planet is now an emergency. And there's no simple answer. As supply chain professionals, we know that the additional responsibility of enforcing sustainability has now become a priority with our suppliers. And Della Glass and Ruby Lake Glass are part of the solution. And today, Cindy Andela is going to tell us about her businesses and her contributions to a sustainable world. So let's get started. Welcome, Cindy. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to you too and everyone out there. Thank you for bringing me here to talk to you. Okay, so let's start off if you can. Uh, tell us a little bit about Andela Glass and Ruby Lake Glass. I think they're unique businesses that people are not familiar with. And uh, if you can describe a little bit about the business and how you got started, that would be great. Sure. So the business that has the longest history is Andela Products, um, or that makes Andela Glass machines. It's actually an equipment manufacturing business, and we provide equipment uh, solutions and systems for primarily turning glass into sand. And most people are say, well, we're, why would you do that? And it really fits with what you're saying, Rosemary, that we have to think about um, uh, the sustainability of recycling. And that includes a small green footprint, I'd say. Okay, so the concept of that started in Della Products was to take local waste glass, do local processing and use it locally. Okay, and especially with the rising glass prices and everything, it's really important to find solutions that are close to home and make that circular solution a very small one. So we aren't transporting um, waste and other materials long distances. We sell a lot of equipment to islands uh, again, small footprint. They import glass um, for their uh, consumption. They um, actually import sand um, because they need more sand than they can mine on an island. There's not uh, sand to mine, especially with beaches disappearing. So why don't you turn glass into sand and you don't have to spend all that energy? So the more we do that, uh, circular. So that's what Andela Products does. It provides equipment and solutions, and then educates people on how to use that um, in product. And then uh, Ruby Lake Glass was uh, came into business oh, about 10 years ago. And that is a business that actually recycles glass. We take a clear glass base, glass that's not being used for something else. We have a proprietary process for coating it with uh, very specific colors. And now we're making all types of um, colored aggregates, sand, very fine sand up, up to stone sized pieces. And then that's used to replace um, natural aggregates. So again, we aren't mining natural aggregates, hauling them long distances. We're recycling glass and local waste and turning it into something that can be used locally. 
That that fits perfectly with the theme of reshoring also. Um, we advocate for local for local. So mm -hmm. manufacturing in your local environment to serve the local customer base. And uh, th it makes a lot of sense in reducing your global footprint, your, your green footprint, and yeah. um, and serving your customers faster and more efficiently as well. So it fits right in to, together with that. So Andela Glass manufactures the machines, right? The big recycling machines. Can you tell us a little bit and describe these? I mean, I'm sure most of our audience never never had any idea what this is like. And if you can describe the, I know because you've told me yeah. before, but how the hammers work inside the machinery and so forth. Sure. Yeah, so our equipment's really geared to recycle all, all types of glass. Um, it, we can crush up um, bottle glass, but more importantly, we actually process all other types of glass. And this glass comes to us with a lot of non-glass debris mixed in. Sometimes it's metal, it can be extra caps and paper and plastics. And so um, we have a special way of, uh, I call it selectively reducing the glass. Our um, hammers and our mechanism breaks the glass down into a sand-sized product rounds all the edges, but leaves the non-glass in a bigger form. So then the system includes a screening and cleaning operation where we can uh, separate the glass sand and aggregates from the uh, debris because the debris is larger and the, uh, the glass sand is smaller. The best thing about this is that I look at glass as an amorphous silica, an industrial mineral, a sand. So we can take all types. We can take plate glass, we can take coffee cups or drinking glasses or all this other types of glass that right now you're being told you're not supposed to put in the recycling stream because it's not a bottle. And when our solution's available, you can um, put all these together and we can turn them into a sand. They go through the machine and come out the same size. Wow. So things like, and I know you recycle like windshields, some industrial glass as well as consumer glass products. So they all, lots of stuff has got a label on it, like you were saying, and that's shifted out or metal, metal attachments or those kind okay. of things. I'm glad you mentioned the windshields um, because one thing I want to talk about is solar panels a little bit. Um, I noticed there's a lot of news recently about, well, what's good about sustainable solar panels because nobody knows what to do with them to recycle them. And there's a little bit of negative out there. And the answer is yes, um, there is processes being developed right now to recycle solar panels. And we're involved in that because every solar panel has a glass um, on top of it, you know, and that glass is attached to laminates. And so um, like every process, it's not a one-step process, but we're involved in um, using our type of technology to separate the glass from laminates. And that is the same sort of technology you'd use in windshields or other types of architectural laminated glass. So we're at the forefront of developing techniques and working with different partners to recycle solar panels too. Really interesting because as new products are developed and new kind of layers are applied in, in um, composite manufacturing, right? Um, there's got to be a way to recycle some of those products and your machines do that, right? So That's right. I, I'm, I'm envisioning a big machine and there's like hammers inside and they beat the glass into smaller pieces and then it filters down and gets smaller and smaller. Is that kind yeah, of the kind layman's of, way it works? Yeah, no, I like your way of describing it. And I often ask, you know, try to describe it. And I say it's sort of like a tornado, a little bit like a blender. You got a bunch of hammers in there and they're, they're beating everything up, but they're also not grinding the glass. It's, it's all a, a very a glass on glass environment. 
And so you get this um, hammers creating a, a, a basically a tornado and everything moves through. Um, but as it moves through, it gets separated and reduced in size. And then the second part of the operation is, is screening. We have big round trommel screens. They're like a, a drum with holes in it. So as the stuff tumbles through this drum, the glass falls out because it's all small and the rest of it just keeps tumbling till it comes out the end. So we can put those two things together. And that, that tumbling process also rounds the edges, is that correct? It, they actually get rounded when they're going through the pulverizer. That, that action of being um, beaten up, also there's a lot of glass on glass impact. And so the edges are rounded off by the impact that they have in the air with each other. So when they come out um, there of the pulverizer, they're actually, the edges are already rounded. People are quite amazed that all that happens in one machine, but that's yeah. the, and then we have machines that go all the way from the size of a, you know, four by a five by five foot cube. Okay. Like a small unit, but it still includes the pulverizer and the screen. So you can put any kind of glass in and come out with, you know, clean glass sand versus debris. And then we go all the way up to systems that are, you know, 20 tons an hour and, and do huge amounts of material. So we have a niche with that um, goes from the small to the large, but um, we do a, something that other people don't do in that we provide complete turnkey situations, you know, systems. So we have to just get to know our customers. What do you have to process? What do you need when you're done? How can we help you find the right type of technology and size for what you need in your community? So speaking of customers, you can tell us a little bit about your customer base. So you, you said there were islands, island communities that needed and other municipalities and those kind of companies. Yeah, it's really um, changing a little bit now um, in the last uh, few years and all in a good way. OK, it's always been a lot of islands and offshore type. You know, we've gone all over the world. But here in the United States, what's changing is many communities have been told, you know, by the big waste companies that there's no market for the glass, glass is broken and so on. So we don't want to recycle it in the recycling stream anymore, just throw it in the trash. And communities are like, we don't want to throw our glass away. We know there must be a better solution. So they find us and they go, well, why don't we turn it into sand? So we got a lot of community groups um, for like Lake Shalane or Shalane, Washington. The Rotary Club bought a system, okay? And they got, they teamed up with their local um, uh, solid waste people for a location, but Rotarians will come on Saturday and actually operate the machine. And then people will pay them to process their glass. And then they also pay, um, you know, to take home glass sand and glass gravel for their own community. And so the community loves it because they see the waste glass go and they, they bring their waste glass and walk away with a finished product that they can use. And it's a sustainable solution. Um, so we're getting more and more municipalities or community groups within a municipality who are saying we want a solution locally because it's not working too well on the big scale. And so municipalities and public and private people. Yeah, I would imagine that manufacturers over time are gonna be quite interested in this as well, especially manufacturers that make things like TVs that have to be recycled when they're, they get old or quit working or whatever. Yeah. You know, all, all kinds of products, consumer products as well, that now these businesses who never thought they were in the recycling business have to become recyclers also. Yeah, no, there's a lot more corporate interest um, because corporations are thinking, well, we've got to um, have circularity. So they start looking at what they're throwing out 
Uh, so yes, some of my customers I'm working with are private companies that are basically um, providing the service to the industries and they're taking the waste glass that comes out of the back end. So all these companies, whether they're window and door companies or you know, specialty glass or, or tableware, it's people are surprised at how much glass when you think beyond the bottle. And by the way, the bottle beyond the bottle, I like that. Yeah, That's the great. bottles. The <laughs> bottle, bottle manufacturers want glass too, but they're just um, it, you know, there's a sphere of influence where you can collect clean bottles and get back to them with that. But if you start trucking it uh, across states and uh, many miles, again, you're you're using more energy to get it to them. Right, right. All, all things that supply chain people now have on their plates and they're thinking about um, yeah. or being asked to think about by their boards of directors or executive yeah. management saying, you know, it's not good enough just to be buying stuff, supply chain people. Now you got to figure out how it can be recycled as well. When our customers um, ask for that or when you're uh, working with a, a new supplier that you have to qualify, they have to also be uh, be cognizant of recycling and other sustainability issues. So that's terrific. Let's turn now to, to Ruby Lake Glass because I love these stories um, about what you do. So you, you take the recycled materials from Andela, right? Yeah, and actually um, one of the things you, you kind of touched on was Ruby Lake Glass, um, like some of the other types of glass other people don't use. So there's still a lot of old uh, CRTs, uh, you know, TVs that are still floating around. And there's companies that um, separate them and recycle them. And the front panel of a, of a TV is a clean glass that we take. And Ruby Lake Glass takes that as feedstock, as well as um, material out of Andela equipment from clear glass, architectural glass, and so on. So we, our customers um, that use our equipment feed the Ruby Lake Glass um, recycling business itself. Okay. And mm -hmm. So tell us about what, what kind of products are at Ruby Lake Glass come yeah. out of there. I know. So we, we make these beautiful colored products. Um, you look at them and you think, wow, that's a cobalt blue bottle. Where'd you find so many of them? But it's not actually that. It's, it's a glass that's been coated. And we have a proprietary process for uh, putting a very thin, durable coating on glass particles. And we do that with a low VOC, a low temperature um, water-based process. So it's environmentally friendly and you can make any color you want. Our, our products there may go as a bright cobalt blue or it might be particles that look like natural stone. So our customers are like big cities that have bike lanes and bus lanes or pedestrian spaces that they want to have a permanent aggregate um, sand or small aggregate surface on. So they'll buy our products, they'll contractors will buy it and then they apply it to the ground with a, a low VOC um, epoxy. And now you've got a permanent high, high durability, high friction color of your choice uh, surface. So basically we're into surface coatings. And when you think of surface coatings, it could be a horizontal or a vertical surface. In other words, you can add the particles to coatings and coat your walls. Think of textured paint or sand paint, only uh, again, you're not using sand, which won't hold the color you're using our product. Because even on the roads, if you get a little bit of wear and tear, um, the glass is um, transparent and you see the color on the backside like a mirror. So you really keep your color, keep your durability longer than 
with paint, which basically is not a renewable resource and has to be. Yeah, it's not durable, right? So yeah, we they, the town where I live just put in all these bike lanes all around the town, and they're all green. And um, so you know, I'm looking at them, wondering if it's got, if it's got ruby like glass in it because they look different. It's not like paint on the surface which yeah. you know will wear off over time this this looks a little it looks different so yeah. i think that's such an interesting use for a recycled glass and you know how how it can help everybody in the community as well as the longer durability and and so forth so less repair work less you know everything over time is much better right that's right well, I remember you telling me that that um, there is glass that's also used on playgrounds, which surprised the heck out of me. But then, you know, I, I, explain it. How how are they used on playgrounds? Yeah. So you know, people think of playgrounds, they think of and glass. They you know think, oh no, that's that's sharp. But the glass is a sand type product, so it can go in in a sandbox or it can go as a base under you know a sand. Um, um, or colored sand topping, okay? So for example, a play box might be, you know, some natural colored sand that is produced by bottles. Um, and then Ruby Lake makes a beautiful color. So we quite often have people come in and get different colors. And then the kids can sand paint by just putting the colors on top and make their own rivers and roads and stuff in their sandbox. So arts and craft sand, you know, basically you can have the kids play with the sand. And people are used to some of the colored sands, you know, they got those um, different types of sands that stick together. But those, um, I can't guarantee what kind of coatings they have on it or how durable they are. One thing we know is that with ruby light glass, it won't rub off and you won't have any, you know, contaminants. So okay. it's just the better, it's a better product for all those types of fun things to do. Well, yeah, and I, I think, you know, the, the point there too is that it's not just a matter of the um, the economics of recycling, but also giving back to the community, which, you know, with a product that is innovative and creative and uh, helpful for, you know, all kinds of local schools and just generally in the community. I think that's fantastic. And landscaping is another big part of the use of, of Ruby Lake glass too, right? Yeah, it really is because the landscaping, um, if you're thinking about, you know, what you're going to landscape with, you want something that's durable, but also um, doesn't rot, doesn't promote insects and bugs and so on. Um, so they landscapers have kind of gotten into colored mulch, but actually that is something that doesn't last and the coloring bleeds right off. Our color-coded glass is the a perfect replacement for that for many years to come because it doesn't leach off and it doesn't rot and the bugs don't like to go through it and termites and all other types of bugs. So if you want a really good permanent landscape, you know, the glass as a base and a coloring topping provides that. So people see that and they go, wow, I could really use that around the pool. It accents the color I have, or they just might be looking for something that they can put under a deck that's very durable and they don't have to worry about it for a long time. So it's really working well for that. So all these things so are so incredibly innovative and creative and, and thinking and so forth. And I think that's a, an area where supply chain professionals can learn uh, about how to innovate and how to think about sustainability issues and recycling issues and so forth. What can you teach us about how to be innovative and creative on our job? 
Well, I think really um, just looking at, like you say, when are we transporting things too long of distances versus a local solution? You know, when I hear, when someone comes to me at a recycling conference and goes, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm just sending trucks of glass away every week and it's costing us so much money to ship it way across the state. Then they hear, oh wow, there's a local solution, let's do it. So just being creative about um, where, understanding where your trucks come from and where your trucks are going is something, I always say, follow the truck, okay? We often are just in our own bubble and we only care about what's happening in our backyard, but just think about where your things, that your materials, your recyclables that are picked up, where do they go? And where do they come from, you know? And yeah. can we do a better job finding um, a local solution form? And uh, one of the, another little side note, which is gaining a lot of ground right now is one of the efforts being made to reduce landfill consumption or landfills volumes is to compost more okay and i think you're in california there's a lot of composting going on yeah. there but it, it's starting to spread across the united states as a more popular let's put out a box let's do it um glass sand and compost together as an engineered soil okay is a great combination and i'm working with landscape architects and and epa grants writers or projects on the east coast right now where we're doing a 50 50 glass sand and compost mix to make a um, bio swale soil you know water runoff it's you basically got all the nutrients of compost and you've got the silica available in glass and the you know granularity and the filtration and you put the two together and you've got a wonderful drained long durability compost. So yeah, what I see- I can, Yeah, what a great thing for your garden, right? So it, it drains really well and it's, and it's uh, full of nutrients and wow, what a great idea, yeah. And so we're just proving that, you know, with the third parties doing the studies to give you the proof. I, I mean, I've used it for my garden for a couple of years already and it works great, but you need the data. Yeah. But that's creativity. Look at two different waste streams you have in your community and people wondering what to do with it. And, uh, you know, put the two together. And uh, yeah. I've had people say to me, how do I get the glass out of compost? Because if you're doing food waste compost, once in a while, somebody throws a piece of glass in the compost and it breaks up and there's some sparkles in there. And I said, oh, you can't get the sparkles out. But you can get, we could, you know, kind of just add half and half and then it's the way it's supposed to be. So it's really exciting to see that openness that creativity happening where people are like yeah why not why don't we put the two together and then that's I think I think some of it is just focusing on the issue right so this is something that supply chain people just haven't had on their on their job description until recently um so you know putting emphasis and thinking about the issue but I love that idea of combining waste streams and considering you know you know if uh a buyer is buying a you know cardboard and someone else is buying some other product or you know trying to work together to come up with some potential innovative solutions that's a great that's a great way um, of solving the problem or at least making progress towards solving the problem yeah that's terrific yeah well cindy any closing thoughts anything we missed or something you'd like to add Boy, I think we've covered a lot. You have a good way of getting 
a lot of those things out. I just love the, what I'm enthused about is the community effort. You know, I love seeing the communities come to solve problems. Flagler Beach, Florida is a great example locally. They wanted a new start from scratch recycling program because where things were going weren't getting recycled. So they just cut it off and they started commodity by commodity coming up with solutions, you know, that they can use in their own community. And yeah. of course, they bought a pulverizer because they said, well, we can use glass, sand in our own community. And they started selling it. And, uh, you know, you got the community itself was so supportive. And that's um, what I think we 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 missing is that sense of satisfaction that all the people in the community get from watching things happen um, locally. So I'd say, you know, let's keep thinking locally. And, yeah, um, that's a that's another great suggestion. I'm not only looking at combined waste streams, but thinking about your local community, which, you know, we get into these industrial environments and supply chain and we're thinking about the world, right? And not necessarily what's next door. So that's another another good um, piece of advice that we can incorporate. People feel like so, they can control it better because the supply chain does give us grief. I mean, I have a hard time getting things in. It's frustrating when you can't find your electrical components or steel to build your machines, you know? So yeah. you want to feel like you have somebody you can reach out to and that yeah. is, fills that need. Terrific. Thank you so much for joining us today, Cindy. It was It's so interesting to talk to you as always. And can yes. you uh, please give us your contact information if listeners want to hear more or reach out to you? Sure. Yeah, just um, reach me at my um, email address is um, Candela. So it so sounds like Candela, C-A-N-D-E-L-A. And that's at Andela Products, the same name, A-N-D-E-L-A products.com. And um, you can call us, uh, you'll look us up on the web at www.andelaproducts.com and you can get a hold of us from there. And how about Ruby Glass? And that would Ruby be like. Yep, that's similar. Ciandela starts the same, only it's at rubylakeglass.com. And again, look up our website, rubylakeglass.com. Terrific. And you can listen to more frictionless supply chain podcasts posted on Supply Chain Management Review's landing page on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can reach me, Rosemary Coates, at rcoates, R-C-O-A-T-E-S, at reshoringinstitute.org, and visit our website at www.reshoringinstitute.org, where we publish all of our research on manufacturing in America. Thanks, and have a great afternoon. Thank you.